one of the differences between our non-Indian culture and the native culture, their respect for the environment. And this is something I was taught throughout my learnings with Native Americans, is to have respect for the environment, to always ask permission before you take something. In our regular culture, if we go hiking, we see a rock that we want, we just pick it up and take it home. It's important to respect that that rock may have its own consciousness. It may have, if this may sound crazy to some people, but if this, if you resonate with this, that means you are meant to be on this path. Maybe that rock had family and friends in that area and didn't want to leave. Ask permission. Absolutely. Ask permission and then take a moment to feel an answer. Is it okay? In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge, and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. Do you ever wonder how we can balance spirituality and modern life? Well, you're not alone. Today's episode is a special one because I'm sharing with you one of my top favorite, most impactful books of all time, if not the top so far. And trust me, I've read a lot of books in my extensive career over the decades. A lot of books, plus I'm an avid learner and there's a lot to learn, right? But this book truly, truly not only touched my soul and my heart deeply, but it is a part of my everyday mindset, how I just think and live my life every day. I am so thrilled that today's guest, Molly Larkin, who was co-author of this book, agreed to come on my show. I damn near fell off my chair when she said yes. How grateful, deeply grateful I am to Molly Larkin. And before we get into the episode, I did just want to thank one of my Apple iTunes podcast reviews because you know what? If you want to support me and my show, the best way to do that is to not only subscribe and share the show, but leave a review. It would mean the world to me. So a big hug and kiss, virtually of course, <laughs> to MVP1230, who says, this podcast was one of the most passionate podcasts I've felt in a while on any platform. I loved your guest. She was phenomenal and super smart. I love the passion and flow of conversation between you. Great episode. Thank you so much, MVP1230. I really appreciate it. And if you want to leave a review, you can even do so anonymously. You don't have to leave even your actual name. But thank you so very much. All right. So, yeah, let's talk about how we can approach life in a way of relating to not only ourselves, but other people and the earth in a deeper, more meaningful, wise way. How can we communicate? with mother nature and understand our place in the big ecology of the bigger picture of life. So before I introduce our guest, Molly Larkin, I want to read to you the intro 
Of her book, The Wind is My Mother, The Life and Teachings of a Native American Shaman, which is by Bearheart, who she was an apprentice of for many years. And Molly and Bearheart co-wrote this book. But I just wanted to share with you just the opening passage of this book, because when I read this part, I was immediately sucked in and just basically couldn't put it down until it was done. In fact, I show on my YouTube channel the markings of this book and all the pages bunny-eared and tabs and notes and highlights. It's insane. This book is more marked up than not. But I do want to share with you the beginning of it because I feel like it really is revealing as to the power of this book. So the very beginning of the book starts like this. When I was three days old, my mother took me to a hilltop near our home and introduced me to the elements. First, she introduced me to the four directions, east, south, west, and north, and said, I'm asking special blessings for this child. You surround our lives and keep us going. Please protect him and bring balance into his life. Then she touched my tiny little feet to this Mother Earth and said, Dear Mother and Grandmother Earth, one day this child will walk, play, and run on you. I will try to teach him to have respect for you as he grows up. Wherever he may go, please be there supporting and taking care of him. I was then introduced to the son. She said, Grandfather's son, shine upon this child as he grows. Let every portion of his body be normal and strong in every way, not only physically, but mentally. Wherever he is, surround him with your warm, loving energy. We know that there will be cloudy days in his life, but you are always constant and shining. Please shine through this child and keep him safe at all times. She then lifted me up to be embraced by the breeze as she spoke to the wind. She said, Please recognize this child. Sometimes you will blow strong. Sometimes you'll be very gentle. But let him know and grow up knowing the value of your presence at all times as he lives upon this planet. Next, I was introduced to the water. She said, Water, we do not live without you. Water is life. I ask that this child never know thirst. She then put some ashes on my forehead saying, Fire, burn away the obstacles of life for this child. Make the way clear so that he will not stumble in walking a path of learning to love and respect all of life. And that night I was introduced to the full moon and the stars. These elements were to watch over me as I grew up running around the carpet of grass that my mother and grandmother earth provided, breathing in the air that sustains life and flows within my body, taking away all the toxins as I exhaled. I had a sense of belonging as I grew up because my people's relationship with these elements. And I imagine that's why most of our people related to the environment so easily. We recognized a long time ago that there was a life all around us in the water, in the ground, in the vegetation. Children were introduced to the elements so that as we grew up, we were not looking down upon nature, but looking up to nature. We felt a part of nature on the same level. We respected each and every blade of grass, one leaf on a tree among many other leaves, everything. 
And that is the intro of the book, The Wind is My Mother, The Life and Teachings of a Native American Shaman by Bearheart and my guest today, Molly Larkin. Molly Larkin has been a spiritual seeker and student of human potential since the age of seven, when her teacher had told her that, quote, human beings only use 10% of their brain capacity, unquote. That's the moment when she decided to learn to use 100% of her brain's potential in her life. She currently lives in New Mexico and has explored a lot of things that didn't work in an effort to improve her life, but she also discovered quite a few that did. Her passion is to save people time and share what she's found to work. Most significantly, as I'm sharing with you, she co-authored with Muscogee Creek elder Marsilius Bearheart Williams, the international bestseller, The Wind is My Mother, The Life and Teachings of a Native American Shaman. And like I mentioned in the beginning, this book if is not the book that has most profoundly changed my life. It's definitely among the top three because it deeply touched my soul and is with me every day. Molly has studied with indigenous elders from all around the world for over 30 years, and she was Bearheart's apprentice for 15 years. Lucky lady, I will add, learning many of his medicine ways. She is a sun dancer, a vision faster, and a pipe carrier as well, which is tremendously sacred. Molly has studied with Lakota elder Wallace Black Elk, and Maya priest and master teacher, Miguel Angel Vergara. In addition, she is an energy healing practitioner and works with an international clientele of people, pets, and horses, both in person and via long distance and online. She teaches healing classes in the U.S. for the largest healing organization in Europe, which is NFSH, the Healing Trust. Molly has taught personal growth and spirituality workshops in the U.S., Europe, and Australia. Whew, this woman is busy, let me tell you. Her mission is to help students and clients achieve their life purpose while balancing spirituality and modern life so they can be happy, healthy, and successful. In other words, in living 100% of their potential. Folks, you're in for a treat. Let's go ahead and get cozy and get ready for a heavy dose of medicine shaman wisdom with the one and only Molly Larkin. Molly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I cannot even express to you how unbelievably humble and grateful and honored I am to have you on my show, Molly. As everybody heard in the introduction, Molly is has quite a life story. Wow, wow, wow. It's still going strong, I must say. And is the author of a book, as I mentioned in the intro. Look at all look at all the can you see all that's well read. <laughs> yeah, and all the tabs and everything. And I mean, I can't even if you're watching on YouTube, you probably see, I mean, this it's probably one of the most marked up books that I have. Uh, okay, so it's The Wind is My Mother, The Life and Teachings of a Native American Shaman by Bear Heart with Molly Larkin. And um, folks, this book, if it's not, it, it's definitely the top, one of the top three that has changed my life. 
And I have been in the health and fitness and healing profession my whole life since I've been basically an adult, so 20s. And I've read a lot of books <laughs> and I've done a lot of research. Uh, but this book truly touched my soul and my spirit. And uh, when I reached out to you, Molly, and asked if you would be on my show so we could share your wisdom, Bear Heart's wisdom and Great Spirit's message, and you said yes, I, I don't I I almost fell right off my balcony. I just <laughs> she said yeah. So thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. All right. So share with our listeners and viewers, please, your story. Well, since a very early age, I've been a spiritual seeker. One of my er- earliest memories is being in the second grade, seven years old. And the teacher was giving us a lesson on the human body. And she said, scientists had determined that human beings only use 10% of their brain capacity. Now that's since been disproven, but at the time that was the belief. And I made a decision right then and there at the age of seven in the second grade in Brooklyn, New York, that I wanted to get to using 100% of my brain in my lifetime. And so as a result of that, I have spent my life on a spiritual search. I, uh, at one point I wanted to be a nun, and then I, uh, I tried all sorts of different spiritual movements and cults, dabbled with drugs a little bit, marijuana, LSD. And then it's funny, when you put out a request to the universe, Sometimes the universe will respond in a really cool way. Uh, I loved the outdoors, did a lot of hiking, camping. And one day I just said to myself, you know, if I could find a spiritual path that had to do with nature, that would be the one for me. Within a week, a friend came over and mentioned that they'd just been in a Native American sweat lodge. My ears perked up and I said, what? What is that? Can I go to one? So I went to a sweat lodge, a purification lodge. At that time, there were uh, two Native American elders, one of whom was Bearheart, who were regularly coming to the Los Angeles area to conduct ceremony and to teach. And so I got to go into a lot of ceremony with them. The other one was Wallace Black Elk, a Lakota elder. And Being a curious person who likes to learn a lot, I asked Bearheart a lot of questions. And I did a couple of vision quests with him. And finally, he just said to me, you know what, write down all your questions and I'll record the answers and send them to you. And that actually turned out to be the genesis of The Wind Is My Mother. Uh, So I made a concerted effort to With his permission, I said, I'd like to write a book of your teaching because they helped me so much. And uh, he said, yes. So that started the process. And I spent a lot of time with him over the years. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that, because it's quite a story through your struggles and, you know, after you uh, found him in the in the sweat lodge opportunity. But then when you worked with him privately, um, that was really when the things began for you, right? 
Yes, um, the first time I actually met him, I was very depressed. And someone in my community suggested that I go speak to him and have a one-on-one -on -one session. And I don't even remember exactly what he said to me, but I walked out of that room with hope. And uh, that's when I figured, boy, if he could help me that much in a 20-minute conversation, what would a book of his teachings do for, for people? So uh, I would say the, the process of writing the book changed me because he was such a wise man and such a wonderful storyteller. Mm. If you went to hear him speak, you would go back and forth between laughter and tears because he was very eloquent and very moving. Um, he was also an ordained Baptist minister. Not only was he a traditional trained healer of his tribe, he was an ordained Baptist minister. So he really understood how to speak to an audience of non-Indians and how to speak to an audience of Native Americans. So as I was saying, the process of working on the book changed me because I was immersed in his words and his teachings for a period of five years. That's how long it took me to conduct the interviews and re-edit the material and get it to the publisher. And you, you were actually suicidal when you met him, right? Yes, I was, now that you mention it. Yeah. Yeah, and he said, well, do you remember what he said to you? Because I remember. <laughs> yes, he said, there are many kinds of death. It isn't always necessary to end your, end your physical life to start a new one. Mm -hmm. So that was very profound. And that's what gave you hope. And that's yes, what started that's what started your healing. And yeah. uh, and you mentioned he was also an ordained minister. I couldn't believe his accomplishments in this book. I mean, in addition to being a medicine man and a shaman and a healer, I mean, he was like a champion fancy dancer and yeah. a trick rodeo rider. Yeah. And uh, he was a counselor. He was on boards of directors. He worked in prisons. He was a liaison between the white community and the Native Americans. I mean, he just had so many different uh, accomplishments and roles. And he studied psychology. Like you said, he went to um, he went to, you know, traditional white schools at the mm -hmm. time. Uh, to study psychology, to help learn how white people thought so he could help them better because yeah. they think so differently than Native yes. Americans. So, um, so he also, he also helped uh, create the protocols for counseling the rescue workers mm -hmm. after the Oklahoma City Federal Building bombing. Oh, wow. Which was also used to counsel the rescue workers at uh, the World Trade Center. And there was a very famous picture that was headlined in most newspapers throughout the country after the Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City bombing of a firefighter, I'm gonna cry when I tell the story, of a firefighter carrying out a two-year-old girl oh. from the building. And uh, Bearheart had the opportunity to cancel that firefighter. Wow. Who told him he didn't think he could ever hold a child again because she had died in his arms. Oh my God. Wow. 
And Berhart told him, Oh my God. Well, I'd like you to reframe that. You had the privilege of holding her when she went home to her creator. Wow. So that puts a really different spin on it. And that's the kind of thing he was able to do help people reframe uh, difficult difficulties in their life to see the lesson, the teaching, the lesson, the teaching, how to move forward. Just so brilliant. There's just so much, so much richness in, in just that whole thing. Thank you for sharing that beautiful example. And the thing about Bearheart, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about how he became to be a medicine man and tell that, that story because it's pretty impressive. Um, but he also, be, even though, see, someone that says something like that, like look for the good and, you know, the good, reframe it. Bearheart had tremendous personal heartache. So he was still able to have that philosophy and headset and w- approach to life in spite of deep, deep personal loss and heartache himself. Yes. So that's what I think is the most impressive. It wasn't like he had this cushy life or anything. Oh, so everything's sunshine no, no. and rainbows. No, 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 no. So he knew, he practiced what he preached and he, he, had the scars to show like, okay, this is, you really can't apply this no matter how tragic your situation is. Cause he did. Yes. He uh, lost his son in 1964. His son joined the, um, his, general, his son was in one uh, aspect of the military because he wanted to be able to help people. And his son died in a training mission in Hawaii. In a helicopter wreck, right? Helicopter crash, yes. On his way there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, their heart was utterly devastated. Utterly devastated. He had two children. His son, Mark, and a daughter. Um, he pretty much just shut down and stopped participating in anything. And uh, some of his Native American friends came to him and said, you know, we really want to help you. So we want to put up a ceremony for you to help your healing. And Berhard said yes to it. And the ceremony was a Native American church ceremony, which is performed in teepee. You go in in the evening, stay up all night, go out in the morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful, profound ceremony that uses the sacred medicine of peyote. Sometimes, you know, when I wrote about this in the When Is My Mother, the publisher was a little hesitant about, well, we don't want to glorify drug use. And I said, this is not drug use, this is medicine. The earth gave us many, 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 many plants to heal us, and peyote is one of them. And it should be taken in a ceremonial manner with prayer, not just as something for a kick, no, by someone who's unschooled doing it on the weekend. So these Native American church ceremonies are very, ceremonies are very, very beautiful. So he went and uh, he sat up all night and they sang. The way the ceremony is conducted is they sing songs all night long and partake of peyote. And uh, he was really helped by it. 
to the point that eventually he became a leader in the Native American church. And that was one of the main things he did for many, many years, conducting Native American church ceremonies. He was quite renowned uh, for that. So, um, and he helped a lot of people. He was able to doctor what they call doctoring a lot of people, giving them healing. So out of his loss of his son, he was able to turn that around and become a leader in the Native American church and hold a lot of ceremonies that helped and healed a lot of people. So you never know when something tragic happens to you, what new direction it will put you in and give you an opportunity to be helpful to others. And that's exactly what he would have said, Molly, I think, if he was here, that exactly that. And actually something in the book is, is like that. You just you just never know. That's all about, you know, one of the things that your book teaches us is that the Native American people would everything. They're grateful for everything, everything, the good and the bad. And they sincerely mean it. And that's a perfect example of what they mean by being grateful for even the tragedy or the painful things. And, you know, I think the thing is people have to remember is maybe at the time, at the moment, you're not, but maybe eventually if you can get right. to the place where you are, you know, it's all it's like a timing thing, you know, cause what's it, uh, you know, hindsight's 2020, right? Once, yeah. once you get through something, you have a different perspective and you can look back and think, all right, now I see why that happened or why that had to happen or look how, how and who I am now because of that. And, uh, you know, my my teacher, my who is also a shaman and my mentor taught me that um, that he has learned in his 40 years of experience of working with people that every time he asks someone, what has taught you the most in life, the good stuff or the bad stuff, every single person says, oh, it was the, the bad stuff has taught me yeah. a lot more than yeah. the good stuff. Yeah. So it might be hurting at the time, but ultimately, eventually, you get to the place where you look back and be like, mm, okay, now I, now I get it. Because when oh. those bad things happen to us, you change. You are changed. And yeah. if you can find the significance of the change, the lesson in the change, and embrace it, you can move on with um, a better life. Yeah, well, we are meaning-seeking creatures, that's for sure. And I think yes. that's one of the things I love about your book is it's it's a beautiful uh, sharing of, of the Native American approach to life and the way that they related not only to each other, but to the earth and the planet and nature at large and um, the meaning that they gave things. Everything had a meaning. And so many people now in this day and age, modern culture, we're, we're all just looking for meaning, you know, is it on Amazon? No, <laughs> you know, is it on another, in another pair of shoes? You know, we're, we're, we're looking for meaning in things. And even the, like we were mentioning the, 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 the bad things, like why did it happen? Like why, yeah. why did 9-11, your example, have to happen? Like what, what is the meaning here? So share with us a little bit about how, what you learned in the Native American cultures, like how they would raise the children to understand these these bigger esoteric meanings of things yeah so, so um, different than our culture uh Bearhart tells a story of when he was just a few days old his mother took him outside and introduced him to the elements 
She introduced him to the sun, to the moon, to the grass, to the trees, uh, saying, this is my son. Help him to grow up in a good way, to honor you and to respect you. Um, make him a teacher, make him a healer. Uh, it's in the opening pages of the book, and it's really, really beautiful. It's profound. And that's one of the differences between our non-Indian culture and the Native culture, their respect for the environment. Uh, just the other day, I was reading, um, and this is something I was taught throughout my learnings uh, with Native Americans, is to have respect for the environment, to always ask permission before you take something. Mm-hmm. You know, in our regular culture, if we go hiking and we see a rock that we want, we just pick it up and take it home. It's important to respect that that rock may have its own consciousness. It may have, if this may sound crazy to some people, but if this, if you resonate with this, that means you are meant to be on this path. Maybe that rock had family and friends in that area and didn't want to leave. Ask permission. Absolutely. Ask permission and then um, take a moment to feel an answer. Is it okay? Uh, when I, um, where I live right now, I live in New Mexico. And in the little town I live in, a big thing is to paint rocks with pretty pictures or sayings and put them around the area. And all I can think of every time I see them is, did you ask the rock if it wanted that? <laughs> I was just thinking that same thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like make big, it's like making your kid wear an outfit that doesn't want to wear or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to have respect. Yes. Uh, in fact, I was reading something the other day. If, if you're going to go hiking in the forest, ask permission to enter the forest. Ah. Uh, I, every day when I take a shower, I have this little song I made up to say thank you for the water. Yeah. And Native Americans have a lot of songs honoring water, honoring the moon, honoring everything in nature. Uh, and when you do that, Nature spirits will take notice of you and help you and be available to you to help you in your life. Keep you safe, help uh, increase your intuition and your respect for others. So it's important to pay attention to the world around us. Um, There's a new movie out on Netflix called Don't Look Up. Which is I highly recommend. Okay. Because it uh, it's a commentary on the state of our world and what's important to people and what should be important to people. And I think that people who will fare best at the end of their lives are those who had respect for the earth and expressed gratitude every day what there is you know native americans have this saying it is a good day to die Mm. what does that mean it means they're ready to go they've made peace with everything in the world because of their respect for it their constant expression of gratitude Um, they're not attached to their belongings um so 
think for yourself about what would it mean to you to be able to say it's a good day to die. It's, I'm ready. I've lived my life in such a way that I have no regrets. I've tried to be honorable and grateful and respectful. That's a pretty significant thing to be able to say and not an easy thing to be able to say, but um, it's a really good thing to strive for. So tremendous. In your book, you mentioned how that the, the elders, when they're meeting someone new or something, they'll, they won't even really look at them. They'll just close their eyes and feel that person and their feeling for their energy, their character. Yeah. And um, and you also mentioned how many tribes would refer to the white people as uh, the paper tribe because the, the the white people require documents and uh, contracts, yeah. contracts and all these things to help ensure that people, other people keep their word and do what they say they're going to do. And it's, you know, everybody has an agreement. Whereas the Native Americans didn't need such a thing because they, they had honor and they had your word. They didn't even have jails at one time because yeah. or or word for suicide because everything was about character and honor and uh, being humble and being courageous and having compassion and above all gratitude. It, for every like you actually mentioned for like he that Bearheart had mentioned you know, every blade of grass, you know, to, to pay attention um, to, to, we take so much for granted. We take yeah. so much for granted, but just breathing clean air right now, we're all breathing clean air, how blessed we are to breathe clean air. And sometimes you don't know until you lose it, right? Yeah. Another amazing teaching uh, that I got from one of my elders is every blade of grass has a name and huh. a song. When you start looking at the world in that way, it opens up a whole new dimension. Oh my God, that's amazing. I never heard that. They each have a name and a song. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. That's something to meditate on out in the woods for an hour. So tell, tell us about, um, I thought it was fascinating because, you know, a lot of times people think of uh, medicine, men and women uh, with the herbs and the, and the sacred pipe and all that, but I, I just was really uh, taken aback by the use of chanting and singing yeah. and how singing was a powerful medicine that they used. Yeah. I've actually started singing myself, like when I'm just walking around. Uh, actually, I make up stuff all the time. Um, but uh, tell us about how the, these tools that they would use and how singing was so pervasive. In... Uh Bearheart's tribe, the Muscogee Creek, well, he was selected by a medicine man, an elder in his tribe, by two different ones to be trained as a healer. Mm -hmm. And the way he was selected was uh, they just observed him. They observed his character. How um, if someone was going, if an elder was going to visit his family and, and it was a hot day, he would run ahead to offer them some water before they even got to the house. He was always trying to do kindness and help help people. And they were able to see his character and they knew that he would be someone who would respect the medicine ways and use them to help people. Which is ironic because I've noticed that when I go to um, 
large gatherings, ceremonies, a lot of the white people will come and they'll try to make themselves noticeable. Oh. They'll um, talk big about their experiences and uh, talk about what they've done. And the elders don't care about any of that. They want to observe how you are and how you conduct yourself. Stories you tell about themselves just mean you're boastful. So the most important thing to do is just be quiet. And listen. And act in mm -hmm. a good way. Mm -hmm. So uh, in Bearheart's tribe, they do a lot of healing with herbs and plants. And the same herb or plant might have a few different uses depending on the chant that they, you sing to it. The chant, I've come to understand, acts as instruction to the herb on how to conduct itself in your body. Wow, okay. I actually believe the chant changes the molecular structure of the herb to cause it to give healing in your body. Mm -hmm. So these chants are very, very sacred and very, very old, very, very old, many, many generations back. Um, and that's a way of communi communing with the earth that we've lost. Mm -hmm. um, but it's very powerful. I mean, his tribes had, had a cure for cancer, but the only place he knew to get that herb has now been um, bulldozed over to make a shopping center. So that's a tragedy that we're losing some very, really powerful medicines. People talk about the powerful medicines in the Amazon, but there are just as powerful medicines around the United States um, if we could learn to protect them. And so much of the elders' wisdom has been lost. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and just for that matter, wow, what a horrific story. The whole beginning of the book where you shared the, the the story of the Native Americans being taken out of their homeland by the white settlers, I never knew how, I, I just can't even, I literally was crying when I read it. Like, this is yeah. so horrific. They yeah. made these people walk to an other state in the freezing cold with no shoes. They were dying along the way. The babies yes. died. They, they shot them. They killed. I mean, it was just absolutely, they, they, intentionally drown them in the ferry boat over it's just yeah. unbelievable the tragedy that these people went through but they still pray for all of humanity yes that's the amazing thing you know there's a saying that, uh, i mean it <laughs> history is told by the victors so there's a reason that we in school never heard about these things mm -hmm. forced marches through winter mm -hmm. um murdering native americans along mm -hmm. the way, mm -hmm. um, it was the armies that did that. And you're right, still they pray. And still the highest rate of volunteering to join the military, particularly a time of war, is among Native Americans. Mm. Even though their country stolen from them, mm -hmm. still their country, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. still to Americans. To serve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they want to serve. Yeah. And here's another interesting thing that they do. Um, Native Americans, most tribes have a ceremony called the, it's called for short sweat lodge. 
I try not to call it that because it's not respectful enough for how profound this ceremony is. Mm. The purification lodge. Mm. You go in there and you sweat and you purify body, mind, and spirit. Mm. And one of the things native tribes do is when someone has returned from war, before they go and interact with the rest of the tribe, they take them in the sweat lodge to purify themselves. Wow. Because they've been around death. Right. They've seen death, and that's darkened their soul somewhat, and they need to release that. So they put them in the sweat lodge, and then they can go say hello to their family and friends. Wow. And a lot of um, veterans organizations uh, are now conducting sweat lodges for returning veterans, um, obviously, definitely for Native Americans, but any veteran will benefit from being in that purification ceremony. Any person, how about any, anybody? Yeah, any <laughs> we all carry pain and turmoil and things. And yeah, it's like it's like the story he gave about the uh, the banana and the monkey and the and the pumpkin. Yeah, share yeah. share share people that that's a this is a great analogy. Uh, I guess in certain parts of the world where they have monkeys, um, if they want to capture one, they drill a hole in a pumpkin, put a banana inside, and the monkey will reach in for the banana. And when he goes to pull it out, banana crosses the hole and you can't be pulled out. And the monkey doesn't have the kind of logic to understand that. So he's sort of stuck there and then they can come in and grab him, which is a shame because they should leave the monkeys alone. But, If we don't think logically and think about the total circumstances that we're stuck in, it's important to think laterally, think, well, what's another way I could do this? Um, And uh, there's your reframe again, too. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And purging, though, letting go, like the message you shared in the book is letting go let go of your banana Bearhart says you know when so many people are holding on to that banana you know like we mentioned pain or anything tra- traumatic that happened to you you got to learn to let it go to move on to survive yeah you can't yeah. don't don't keep carrying your banana around like nine years later or whatever you yeah know? i do spiritual healing and uh i offer a 20-minute free consultation with people to see if what they are looking for and what I offer is a fit. Mm. And not too long ago, I was speaking to someone and she said, well, I want to make sure that in all this healing, I won't lose my anger. Wow. Really? Is that something you want to hold on to? Is that helping? Yeah, you? wow. I didn't reply to that. Um, mm. But, uh, and it, we both agreed that what I offer was not a good fit for her. Mm-hmm. But you have to be willing to let go. Do you want to be right? You know, sometimes mm-hmm. people want to stay angry because they feel they're right about whatever situation happened. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want to be right or do you want to heal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if you heal, it will open up whole new worlds to you that help you to move on to a better, better life. Absolutely. And in Bearheart, uh, I never heard it described that way, but in your book, uh, he mentions the word forgiving is for dash giving. Mm-hmm. It's, it's forgiving it's forgiving and then it goes back to what we were saying about the uh the the gratitude thing and forgiving and for service and for that matter 
tell us about the their their philosophy on the, the law of uh, reciprocity, which I think is fascinating. You mentioned how you know uh, you you they ask nature like before you build your house, like ask the land, you know, like is yeah. it okay to? So, but tell us about how they had that. Um, and they, they used to say how white people didn't understand this at all. The, right. the giving thing. So explain that. That's really important. Um, it's about gratitude and it's about asking permission. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the interesting ways that um, Native Americans use tobacco, they do smoke it, but they also use it in ceremony. Uh, tobacco has the quality that it's absorbent. They observe this. If you make a poultice out of tobacco to put on a bee sting or a rash, it pulls things out, it absorbs. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. In fact, Blake Shelton had a hit song last year that mentioned that, you know, oh, you got a bee sting, put tobacco on it. I'm not making this up. <laughs> That's what they used to teach. That's um, cool. Down like in the South where they still have old home re- remedies. Mm-hmm. Um, so observing the tobacco was absorbent they realized they could pray with it and the tobacco would absorb their prayer mm. and then either they smoke it and the smoke carries the prayer upwards to the great spirit or in fact Berhardt's teaches taught the age old shamanic way of praying is to take a pinch of tobacco between your we can't wait your fingers, your three fingers, say your prayer, and then drop it to the ground. And the spirit keepers of the earth will take that prayer out and work on it for you. So if you're going to go picking herbs, the first thing you should do is offer tobacco and ask permission. Here in the Southwest, you would offer cornmeal and ask permission. the community I live in, we're getting ready to start a community garden. And one of the things we have to do first is pull up all the weeds. So I said, if it's all right with you, I'd like us to smudge the land first, ask permission to pull up the weeds, ask permission to plant here. And I think that if we do that, that garden will go grow so much better. And fortunately, everybody, nobody thought I was crazy and everybody thought, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do it. Yeah. So, Anytime you're you're going to um, do anything that involves moving or changing anything on the earth, ask permission first. When you have that kind of relationship with the earth, the earth will protect you. Here's an interesting story. Oh God, this is like 15, 20 years ago. Some bad fires were going through Malibu, California. And uh, they were like, the fires would race up the hills really fast before the fire department could even stop it. And there was one friend I had who had, he had a beautiful big house in Malibu and he had a sweat lodge on his property. And he literally watched the fire coming up the hill and then split and go around the sweat lodge and continue up the hill because even the fire recognized prayer is said here that's insane wow the earth is prayed for here the fire is respected here 
Yeah, when you start communicating with the earth in that way, in a ceremonial way, by making offerings, asking permission, expressing your gratitude, your life will change. Your life will change. That is truly unbelievable. And you share in the book how the elders would pray to the elements to hold off rain if they were having a big ceremony outside so they could have their ceremony and offer. And sometimes it would certainly happen. And then almost immediately once it was over, the rains would come. I've been to many big ceremonies in South Dakota where exactly that happened. That's unbelievable. Um, The rain would be held off for a week. And then as soon as the ceremony was over, a deluge. There you go. And then, of course, one of the things that made Bearheart kind of more well-known in uh, mainstream was uh, when he made it snow in the Colorado for that ski place, right? Right? Yeah. So, and but tell us how, you know, he didn't feel like, oh my God, this powerful medicine man. But he was like, no, I'm not powerful. I'm... I, the power comes through me, but not from me, so to speak. Exactly. So share yeah. with us uh, that, that story. It's so cool. Well, there was a place in Colorado, Snowmass, I believe. Uh, it had been in a snow drought, and they didn't have enough snow, couldn't even make enough snow to guarantee that they could open and have a ski season. So the owner of the uh, resort knew Bearheart and asked if he would come and do a blessing to pray for snow, which he did. And uh, before, (laughs) there was no weather prediction for snow. And before he finished praying, it started snowing. And they had a big blizzard. And it made the headlines in the Rocky Mountain News. Mm -hmm. And the television show, A Current Affair, Mm -hmm. interviewed him and did a feature story on it. And the weatherman, of the local news station said there was no snow predicted I was ready to ask him to start praying (laughs) stop praying because we were getting so much Um, and that was just a simple humble request he didn't he didn't make any demands of the Mm -hmm. creator to bring snow Mm -hmm. he just said please people are going to lose their jobs help them by bringing snow so we can have a snow season Mm mm-hmm Humility is a big part of power. Humility is a big part of power. He even uh, gave an example of when he was, I think he was a boy, and uh, one of the uh, medicine men in one of the tribes uh, brought him over to camp one day and uh, had a fire going and said, sit down and watch this. And the medicine man made some chants over the fire and next thing you know, Bearheart saw him reach his hand into the fire and pick up some of the hot coals and he put them in his hands. And then he just said this chant and then he opened his hands, holding the hot coals from the fire. And all of a sudden a yellow butterfly flew out. I mean, but this is also a medicine man who Bearheart said was one of the most humble yep. people of the whole tribe. But he had the ability to do that. I mean, come on. Like, that's, I mean, incredible conduit of power, but with tremendous. I think the, the main point people have to understand is these graces, these powers aren't bestowed upon just anyone. And medicine men and women don't get picked by these tribes to be entrusted 
with these powers and abilities unless they have the character to withstand it and to carry it properly. It's a tremendous responsibility to be entrusted with this ability and they don't take it lightly. And you make the point in the book how nowadays people say, oh, I want to be a medicine woman, you know, and they go and study it. Whereas back then, no, you were chosen. (laughs) Yeah. And if they knew the responsibility it entails, they wouldn't Mm. want it. (laughs) Really? Why is that? Because um, you have to lead a clean life. Mm. You have to um, be ready to help at any time. Mm. You don't say no too Mm -hmm. much. If you're asked, if someone asks you to help them, you're obligated to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to do a lot of prayer, a lot of ceremony, a lot of fasting. Tremendous sacrifice. Yeah, it's not it's not an easy life at all. Yeah, and he even talked about how lonely he would get sometimes, yeah. and uh, and even just something as like his teeth were rotting out, and they would tell him that because of all the poisons he'd have to suck out of yes. people's body, rotted yeah. his own teeth, and yeah. the lack of sleep, and just and, and you know he trained for 14 years. I think now people are thinking, oh, I'm going to read a book or go to a weekend workshop and be an expert in something, or they don't want to put in the sacrifice and the time right. it takes to learn. 14 years with two t- teachers before yes. he really was kind of ready to go out and a, a tremendous like driving two hours each way uh, sometimes and yeah. sitting in fields, you know just taught to sit still and hug a tree for like a day without moving and don't ask any questions and you know crazy thing can you share with us that amazing story about the rattlesnakes where his teacher oh (laughs) yeah that was nuts he was given all these chants to learn Mm -hmm. and then he would periodically go back to his teacher for the next lesson or the next test and uh, uh his teacher said how about that snake chant? How are you doing with that snake chant? And he said, yeah, I think I got it. He said, okay, come with me. So he took him over to uh, this area where there was um, an outcropping of rocks. And his teacher said, okay, I want you to walk down this hill, walk across and back up, singing that chant. Never stop singing that chant. So when Bearheart got to the starting point, he saw that it was a den of rattlesnakes he had to walk through. And that um, that chant was gonna keep him safe because the chant basically lulled the rattlesnakes into his sleep. So he did it, he made the walk, got all, all the way through to the other side and then his teacher said, now the, the big rattlesnake that has its head raised, pat it on the top of the head, and that will take it out of its trance, and then you go on out. So it was a test of how well did he learn the chant? And how well did he I'm like sweating chant? listening to this story. <laughs> the power of the chant. Yeah, so uh, if you not- take a weekend workshop, are you going to learn something like that? No. No, not at all. Yeah, and the bravery and the trust and, uh, you know, it's just all the... That's the key word, the trust. Yeah. He trusted his teacher and he trusted the chick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's something that you you learned in working with him and how 
as when you when you guys would go on vision quests and then you as being his apprentice you started helping him uh do vision quests for other people and how bearheart as the as the spiritual guide would protect the people on the out in the vision quest when they're out among the bobcats and the snakes and all this other wildlife by um making the fire and keeping to the fire all night long and praying into the fire and chanting and working while the people were out on these days vision quests fasting and and you know communing with nature and connecting with great spirit yeah. and how bearheart would actually communicate and ride the smoke to reach the creatures to ask them to please don't bother these people questing yeah. right now if you would he would actually communicate with the animals because and he in his whole track record all the years he did the vision questing no one ever got hurt That's on right. his because yeah. he communicated with the nature yeah yeah in fact one year i was vision questing with him and uh i the first thing you do when you get there is you go out and choose the spot where you want to be and i found a spot that i felt really good about i just liked it and uh so the person who was with me said, you know, I see some bobcats scat here. Are you sure this is where you want to be? And I said, yeah, I trust Bearard to keep me safe. This is where I want to be. <laughs> and uh, wow. while I was on my fast, I never saw a bobcat. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, okay, so um, you know what, Molly, let, I'd like to really know uh, your opinion on um your experiences with the dark side of all this because you give a beautiful story when bearheart encountered some people after a talk he gave who came up to him and they were on the dark side and they actually tried to kill him yes. and, you know by throwing some kind of chant at him or whatever and he blocked it with his eagle feather and all that so if maybe even want to if you remember that story or, or just share with us because you know right now in 2022 the world is at a precipice of you know we're at a great awakening a period of where we're which way are we going to go folks are yeah. we going to wake up and protect the earth and respect mother nature and know we are all one or are we going to basically extinct ourselves so yeah there are dark forces out there yeah so i would really love to know because again you study with him for years and years and years and as well as you study with many other medicine teachers as well as bear heart um and your own personal practice and everything and all your experience what do you have to share with us about the dark side and the light side um well there are a lot of techniques that you can use to protect for protection and you should actually protect yourself every day you can protect yourself uh through breath work. You can protect yourself uh, by the colors that you wear. Mm. You can protect yourself with uh, jewelry. One of the reasons that uh, turquoise is so valued among Native Americans, it's very protective. Um, it's a color I have on today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've never had an experience like Bearhart described in the book, uh, he went to speak at a university, I think, and uh, some people came up to him who probably had just taken a couple of work weekend workshops in the in uh, 
the medicine ways. And they wanted to challenge him. And so one of them tried to put a spell on Bearheart or cut off his breath or something like that. Mm-hmm. But obviously somebody at Bearheart's caliber had very strong protection around him and immediately knew what this guy was trying to do it, trying to do. So he just sort of sent the negative chant back to this person. He, he deflected it. He deflected it mm-hmm. and set it back. And then the guy had trouble breathing himself. So then Bearheart had to revive him. Um, so these are, these are very powerful mm-hmm. medicine ways and you can't play with them. Which is exactly to our point about how Bearheart was chosen because yes. of his character to be entrusted yeah. with this knowledge and this wisdom. And it wasn't just anybody willy-nilly. Yeah. I mean, he told me about some people that who, who went to him and said, I want to learn your ways. And he wouldn't teach them because he didn't feel they had the character to handle, handle them in a good way. Well, you know what, Molly? That says a lot about you then, my friend. Oh, thank you. <laughs> wow. There you go. I mean, what greater compliment could you ever get than Verhart trusting you with his teachings and his wisdom and his methods? And I'm getting goosebumps. That is just such a beautiful gift. Incredible. Wow. And, you know, I think one of the other things that I was just shocked to learn uh, by your amazing book that I want everybody to go get and give as presents. By the way, my niece gave me this book as a ah. Christmas present years ago. I ah. would so talk about grateful for a gift. Yeah. And uh, But I only just read it like, I don't know, six months ago or whatever. I found, you know, life is timing, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, one of the things in the book, though, uh, Bearheart mentions how the, the healing ways of uh, shaman and, and medicine men and women is different than a conventional doctor in that when a person in you know modern society goes to a doctor, they start by rattling off their symptoms and the doctor will say, how are you feeling? But the medicine people, they don't do that. They don't ask you your symptoms. They, they tap in to see if it's, first of all, they feel like it's, they read you basically. They feel yeah. like if it's psychosomatic and then they, what was the, other, and, oh, and then they, Oh, they, they tap into the rapport of the person, the soul of the person. And then they tell the person what's wrong with them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. completely backwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they want to know uh, what's going on in your life. Where, what's disconnected? How are your relationships? How's your diet? Mm-hmm. Um, how's your living situation? Uh, all these things that can bring you out of balance is what they want to know about. And unfortunately, Western medicine hasn't. It's starting to understand this a bit, but um, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in fact, at the University of New Mexico has a program that they've been teaching for, this is amazing, for over 20 years, they've been teaching a two-week program every summer on curanderismo, which is the uh, South American art healing arts. And they bring in Coranderos and Coranderas were the medicine people from Mexico, South America to teach at it. So they teach about the South American healing arts using herbs, a lot of herbs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've attended it twice 
And my second year, I was sitting next to a woman who was a medical student at, at UNM. And she told me she was in preventative medicine. And part of the curriculum was you had to take that course. Nice. So that's very enlightened on the part of the University of New Mexico. Yeah. And hopefully um, more medical schools will start doing that. More and more are. They're teaching more and more integrative medicine, Thank which goodness. is studying the whole person and what's out of balance that can help bring you back into balance. 100%. I mean, it's like that woman you gave as an example of one of your clients who said, well, just, he can heal me, but don't take away my anger. I mean, you're yeah. telling me that's not going to affect her digestion, her sleep. Right. Or, yeah. I mean, how we're, we're holistic. And I think that's why I resonate so much with the Native American teachings is yeah. because of my holistic, uh, you know, mindset. Um, I do want to do a follow-up question though. When you, very important, when you were saying how we need to ask permission from nature and rocks. And uh, by the way, the Native Americans would refer to stones as the rock people. Yes. <laughs> they, they didn't think of them. Um, that's just for the audience. They didn't think, I know you know that, <laughs> uh, but they didn't think of them as any different than them. They referred to trees as my our tall standing brothers, yes. <laughs> you know. Um, but in asking the permission, Molly, how do we get our ego out of the way and our own desires and, oh, they said yes, you know, like, because we want to take that rock or we want to build our house there. Like, how do we know we're getting a clear communication and accurate communication when we ask permission? Very good question. Um, yeah, it's like, how do you know what's your intuition versus what's your mind? Mm -hmm. Not always easy to tell. Um when I teach workshops, one of the exercises I put people through is to go on what I call a nature walk. Go out, walk in nature, uh, put out a question first to the universe. What should I do about this? Should I take this job or should I move there? Or, you know, whatever your question is. And go for a walk and observe nature. Look at the clouds, look at the trees, look at the shrubs, look at the bugs. Some, it only takes like 15, 20 minutes. Somewhere in that time, you will get your answer. You'll see something that gives you your answer. That's mm -hmm. a really good way to help develop your intuition. So when you practice things like that, you'll learn how to trust the answers that you get. Yes. And I like to tell people it's it comes down to and you talk about this in the book with their teachings is that it all starts with a relationship with ourselves. We have to know who we are, self-knowledge and a relationship with, I call it your soul. You know, like you have to start cultivating that because until you have a relate, and what is relationship? It's time with someone. It's a give and take. It's reciprocal, right? It's a two-way but it takes time. It can't be like, oh, I'm just going to know what the rock is telling me to do tomorrow. You know, it just, it takes time and effort yes. and intention. Yeah. And I tell potential clients, healing is a process, not an mm -hmm. event. Ah. It takes time. Mm -hmm. You don't go to the gym once and expect you to have strong muscles. You mm -hmm. go to, uh, well, here's the difference between Western and Eastern medicine. Um, a Western doctor, if you have something going 
going on will give you a pill and that may just take care of it and that's you don't need to go back someone from the east uh it will be a medicine that you take ongoing and then you check back um I have a brilliant acupuncturist who's actually one of the teachers in the Coronderisco program at wow. the University of New Mexico. And uh, she can just check me out and say, well, how's this going for you? And how's that going for you? And say, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> this is happening. But I didn't even think to mention. Um, and she'll give me uh, a tincture or a diet change or something like that that will start to bring changes about um, in my body. I think I've gotten off what your question was, but. No, no, it's it's all beautiful. We're just talking about how, um, you know, just basically the holistic nature of the medicine. But, you know, you triggered something in me that uh, Bearheart mentions that uh, there's different types of medicine. Uh, and, and, and you share in the book how every single human being has the ability to share quote unquote their medicine yes. by just by being kind that's yeah. a way of healing someone else by saying yeah. a compliment or doing something like you know getting someone a glass of water we all have medicine and healing that we can give each other we don't have to be a 14 year trained shaman who yes. walks through a, a bed of you know a garden right. of rattlesnakes you know for yeah. <laughs> Particularly in this day and age, I think kindness is one of the most powerful medicines there are. Right on. And seeing people. I also would add to that, looking at people, not not just, you know, noticing, but seeing them, connecting. We're all trying to connect. And eye contact, acknowledging another human being, like, I see you. Hello. How are you today? And meeting yeah. it, you know, type yeah. of thing. You know, I mean, that's that's a form of medicine, don't you think? It is. Oh, it certainly is. It certainly is. What else would be some things, Molly, that in your vast experience with the Native Americans, what would they want modern Americans and or modern people, I should say, to know? Don't take anything from the earth without asking permission. Hmm? And there should. I think you touched on this earlier and I didn't respond. There must always be an exchange. Hmm. If you want to take, you know, go gather something from your garden or pick up a rock to take home, once you ask permission, there must always be an exchange. And a pinch of tobacco is a very good exchange. If you don't, ha I, I have tobacco with me all the time in my purse, in my car, there's always tobacco. In my backpack for hiking, I always have tobacco. So I'm ready to make an offering and a prayer at any time. <laughs> but um, you can, I've, one of the first things I learned is uh, you can leave a piece of chocolate as an offering. I thought that was interesting. Like yeah. chocolate, why chocolate? Um, spirits love chocolate. <laughs> no wonder Actually, why I love it so much. <laughs> in Mexico, cacao is a very powerful medicine. Mm. I've been cacao ceremonies where drinking cacao prepared in a spiritual sacred manner is a medicine that heals you. And it's interesting, it's different than drinking chocolate drink because cacao is not sweetened. Mm -hmm. so it's an acquired taste. It's very bitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's a medicine. Mm -hmm. I have a Maya teacher. I've made several trips to Mexico to study with a Maya teacher. 
And um, he said, you should drink cacao every morning. So I like this guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's my kind of teacher. Yeah. Yeah, Cause usually the medicines taste horrible. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. So Molly, were you totally welcomed as a white woman into the, uh, the, the healing ceremonies and lodges and whatnot? When I was living in Los Angeles and Bearheart and grandfather Wallace Black Elk came and invited us into ceremonies, uh, yes. But when I went to the reservation, not so much. You have to earn their trust. Yeah, understandably so. So you go keep, keep your head down, don't talk, work hard. And they will notice that. If you're a hard worker and you don't make a big deal of yourself, then you'll be accepted. Yeah, there's the humility. Humility. Humility, humility, humility is what they're looking for. Yeah, <laughs> I love Cause, that. Because we know nothing compared yeah. to the vast, um, vast wisdom that Native people have of communicating with the earth. And it's amazing because actually Bearheart shares that there's many times when they they were raised with a respect for their elders and the elders yes. spoke and anyone literally chronologically younger would not speak unless yep. they were given permission to speak. And even he, as a 14-year trained shaman, if he was in a room with other elders, he wouldn't speak unless he was asked to speak yep. because of respect for the elders and their wisdom. Yeah. We need to get back to that. The wisdom of the elders, of people who have the experience and the knowledge and the life lessons to share and teach us. Yeah. Some of the most thriving cultures in the world are the cultures that respect their elders. Right on. Um, the way we treat our elders in the United States is a national disgrace. Oh my God. We put them in a home or put them away or, or yeah. drug them up. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. It's just absolutely awful. So, All right, Molly, I know we're getting at the end here. I, I respect your time. I could just, I could literally keep you here until, <laughs> until tonight. I, I mean, I seriously, you're like a hero for me. Um, wow. Uh, okay. So is, I just have to ask you though, was there anything that really stands out the most to you of any of the things that you learned with Bearheart or the Native American people that like, was there any example or little story you can share with us that really was like, one of the things that were the most impactful for you? Well, I've already touched on it. Um, gratitude, expressing <laughs> gratitude, asking permission. There must always be an exchange. There must always be an exchange. We live in a culture where we just want to take things. Um, but you have to give back in some way you have to give back. Mm -hmm. And that keeps more coming. And if you had to sum up Bearheart in one word, what would it be? Patience and kindness. Okay, beautiful. Uh, okay, and then lastly, just I know you're going to talk about uh, your book. Just could you give us uh, just the your a synopsis of your wisdom and how powerful it is the breathing as a healing practice? Because I know Bearheart was a, a fan of that as well, and that's a big yes. part of your work. Um, people, particularly in the United States, we don't know how to breathe. Mm -hmm. We think we do, but we don't. 
um, we breathe very shallowly and that's depriving our body of oxygen and healing. In fact, uh, Andrew Weil, who's a very well-known holistic MD, said that people ask me for what's the most important thing I can do to keep my health. And his answer is learning how to breathe correctly. Um, take long, deep inhales through the nose and exhale through the mouth. I do 10 to 15 minutes of breathing exercises every morning. My health is excellent. Um, and I have a great book on it that a lot of yoga studios use it actually. Um, it's called The Fountain of Youth is Just a Breath Away, Breathing Exercises for Relaxation, Health and Vitality. Um, the way I came to write it is uh, when I was, when I took my first spiritual healing courses with England's The Healing Trust, from whom I'm now a teacher, um, breathing exercises is one of the things they teach. And so knowing I was going to be teaching it, I wanted to learn more about breathing. And so I bought a whole bunch of books on breath work and I didn't like any of them. They were too hard to follow. They were um, mm -hmm. too scientific. They weren't user-friendly at all. So I decided to write the book that I wished that I had found to read. And um, so that's what it is. It's uh, very user-friendly. People really like it. Uh, it has a bunch of breathing exercises. It ties them into your energy centers. So, you know, if you if you have a, if your heart is closed through sorrow, it'll give you a breathing exercise to help open your heart. Um, yeah, it's a really important book for self-healing. Okay. Uh, I read on, sorry, that tragically, Bearheart, when he passed away in 2008, I believe, yes. he didn't leave a will. And his family are, are not getting any of the royalties from the book. Correct. And there's a donation place that people can go to help support Bearheart's work, his mission, his life, and support his family. Um, to help contribute financially, even if it's like $5. Yes. Can you please share that with us? Sure. Um, my website is www.mollylarkin, that's M-O-L-L-Y-L-A-R-K-I-N.com. And the upper right-hand corner, there's a link for um, uh, making a donation to legal fees for Bearheart's family. And mm -hmm. every little bit helps. Every little bit helps. 100%. And you can give more than once. <laughs> yes. And that's to help pay the legal fees and all that to help get the family some money out of yeah. this. Absolutely insane. Um, okay, Molly, uh, before you share with us anything else, uh, how we can find you, um, any last words on your heart today that you want to share with our audience? Uh, express gratitude. When you wake, first wake up in the morning before you go to bed at night, Express gratitude for at least five things. And if you have a gratitude practice like that, your life will change. And the other thing is, keep a small pouch of tobacco with you. And if you go hiking or out in nature and you see something you would like to take, ask permission and make an exchange. Your life will change because the spirit guardians of the earth will notice that. And then they'll want to work with you and help you in your life. And I will attest that is 100% true. Now, I don't do the tobacco exchange, but I do other things. And my life is completely turned around. And I will say your book was part of it. Your book was part of it. I now include in my prayers the four directions and thanking Mother Wind 
Father, Son, and Sky, the water, the elements, fire. It's all been, it's a part of my daily life now. And my life has changed for the better. I just feel right. better. So right. I have, I have. Yes, it's true. It happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's, it works, everybody. It works. You mean it sincerely from your heart. I do want to ask you, though, when you say tobacco, we're not talking to like go down to the 7-Eleven and buy a pack of cigarettes and break it up. And where do you get your tobacco? That's really, does that matter? Like the type of tobacco? Uh, it's actually pipe tobacco, be loose yeah. tobacco. So if you were a pipe smoker, the loose tobacco you would put in the pipe. And the fewer additives, the better. Yeah. You don't want to have it sticky with molasses and stuff like that. Just very yeah. dry, loose tobacco. So like you could get it at a smoke shop? Yes. Okay, because I just want to clarify, we're not talking like again about a pack of, you know, Marlboro lights or something. And, you know, okay, we're Good talking question. this. Yeah, because I was thinking that you don't want to put it in the earth if it's like, you know, garbage, you know, so it's right. Know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. As natural as possible. Yeah. Great final thoughts. Okay, Molly, how can we find you and point us out to your books and any other courses you also do online? personal reading so please share that all with all of us thank you well again my website is mollylarkin.com uh explore it i offer a lot of things i do healing i um, have several books and cds available the guided meditation cd there's a guided meditation cd by bearheart on there mm-hmm. um and i offer classes in spiritual healing i teach for a major international organization now you do both online and in person? Uh, right now, because of the pandemic, I'm only doing healing and teaching via Zoom, but it works. I have clients in Europe and they can feel the effects of the healing. So it doesn't have to be. Healing energy is not limited by time or space. No way. It's everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's all yeah. about the intention. Yeah. I mean, the divine is everywhere. It's everything. Yes. Yes. I love it. Molly, thank you so much, everyone. Molly Larkin, please go out and get The Wind is My Mother, the book by Molly and Bearheart, and buy it as Christmas gifts. It yes. is soul food. That's how I got mine, a Christmas gift. Birthday and, gifts, uh, Christmas gifts. Yep. And it's even on audio, but I, yes, I think it's an audio book. Yeah, if that's more convenient, but I'm telling you the book, like, I mean, if you could see, I mean, look at all the tabs and the, I mean, my, mine is one of the most marked up books I have and <laughs> I'm going to buy one for everybody. I know I'd love to put it on my website. After. I think it's just so phenomenal. Molly, thank you so much for being on Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. My pleasure. Thank you. It was a great interview. I enjoyed it a lot. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com. 
and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at FitAmyTV, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also FitAmyTV. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.